This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And thank you, Charlie, for not hitting me when you saw me, because I've been away for three weeks. I missed you so much. (laughs) You wouldn't believe how hard it was to do the show. I had to do everything. Well, I know. I had to be smart. I had to run microphones. I was, like, exhausting. I'm so glad you're back. Here I uh, was, you know, on on that two-week vacation in the Caribbean. I know you feel sorry for me, but... Uh, and I kept looking at my ankle, thinking, it feels so good not to be kicked by Charlie. Oh, uh, <laughs> there's just an yeah, ankle bracelet. Yes. With... Bingo. <laughs> now, anywho, anywho. Oh, look, it's uh, snowing. No, deli- oh, you're kidding. There's the snow they were oh, talking about. Oh, there it is. Mm. Hey, let's say hello to Lorraine. Let's do that. Lorraine hello. Johnson's here. She just rode in on her bicycle. Literally. At, yeah. Exactly. After taking the ferry from the <laughs> island. And now we're going to watch her, you know, <laughs> bike off into a snowstorm after the show. Oh, to man. Canada Blooms. Yeah. yeah. All right. First of all, we might mentioned that I am holding a fa- I've just, you know, have this in my hands this wonderful it's book. It's not yours though, it's no, mine. No, I, I know, I open it up and she's dedicated to you. It's signed to Charlie already. How, right. how I make I sure he doesn't steal my stuff. A <laughs> hundred easy to grow native plants for Canadian gardens, revised third edition, yeah. Lorraine Johnson and I was just looking yeah, at the beautiful photographs by Andrew uh, Lyerly. 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 Nice. Wow, what a neat book. Yeah, so recently republished, and mm-hmm. Lorraine is an expert in native plants, North American native plants, obviously. She's going to tell us a little bit about how she got into the biz of yeah. such a thing. And, Absolutely. And the book, and other books as well. Urban Gardener, Gorilla Gardener, I've heard you refer to <laughs> as. All kinds of uh, really good experiences. Yeah. So I know some of our callers are going to have some questions for you. Great. Because native plants... How, where to get the seeds? Remember last week we, I mentioned that uh, Edna was it Edna? No, Marsha. Marsha called from Kleinberg. Had questions, so we'll get into some of that. But before we do that, let me just do my usual. Oh, oh may I give the phone numbers first? And then oh, we'll don't I have to up. do that anymore? No, you don't. I'm I'm back in to work. I <clears> had <throat> to do that too. Uh, all right, <laughs> here's the Toronto number, folks. Uh, give a call, line up to have a word with Charlie and Lorraine. Four one six three six zero zero seven forty. And then anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Keep in mind our little mantra. Please call early, call often. One question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let Sebastian know our good-looking operator. The bell is back. The bell is back. Here, this is, that's what you're going to hear. None uh, the worse your, for wear, I get see. Get your gardening wings, Dis- as it were. Yes, despite its travels with you across the, around the world into the Caribbean. and <laughs> Oh, my gosh, I hate you. Uh, hey, did you know spring starts on Monday? Yeah. First yeah. day, six, 6.30 in the morning, 6.28. Spring will spring. Yeah, well, looking at the last <laughs> vestiges of winter. It's so dark outside right now. All right. 
Coming up Wednesday, March the 22nd is International World Water Day, as declared by the UN. So the Royal Botanical Gardens has invited Pamela Martin, she's Chief for Environment and Climate Change Canada, to speak at 12 noon on the day's theme of Why Waste Water? Topic is very relevant for all of us. Of course, it, like, it is a completely free event. It's at the RBG, and we all know where that is. It is... 680 Plains Road West in Burlington. Um, also happening at the RBG, I'm just looking for the date. I know I have a date here somewhere. Oh, no. There it is. March 26th. I know. I, I do these <laughs> announcements where I don't have all the information, but I have it. I have it here. Sunday, March 26th, tomorrow. Hamilton and Burlington Rose Society. They're hosting Nancy Christie. She's a graduate of Niagara Park Hort Technician Program. She's talking, of course, about roses in the garden. At 2 o'clock tomorrow, RBG Centre, rooms 3 and 4. Everyone is invited to attend. Entrance is free. Parking is free. All in all, it's a, a good thing. And something to put on your calendars, the Scarborough CD Saturday and Green Fair. It's an annual event happening April the 1st between 11 and 4. Um, I believe this is like their seventh year. Yeah, it's seventh year. and just keeps on growing. So... What happens is the Scarborough um, Hort Society puts together this event at Blessed Cardinal Newman High School, which is 100 Brimley Road South, so just south of Kingston Road. And there's tables, like exhibitors, with booths and, you know, expertise. So they're selling stuff. They're sharing information. It's all about gardening. It's all about seeds, sharing seeds, swapping mm-hmm. seeds, buying seeds, on and on and on. So for more information, feel free to send an email to scarboroughcdsaturday at gmail.com. There you are. Yeah, that's All it. right. That's it. Is that it pretty well? That's it pretty well All for now. All right. All right. Well, Charlie and Lorraine shall return along with yours truly, Frankie Proctor, after we take a little bit of a commercial break. Oh, you, you, you just discovered event ten. Well, I just lost but. track of the dates. Okay, so sorry. The Hamilton Burlington and Rose Society meeting <laughs> is not tomorrow. It's next Sunday. Wow. I'm okay. glad you got that in there. Yeah, you just all, like, almost what, had a whole bunch of people <laughs> showing up at the wrong thing at the wrong time. Eat Where God's. am I? Okay, back in just moments here, The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio AM 740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And here we go to the phone lines on the Garden Show, and uh, out to Mississauga. Good morning to John. Welcome to the show, John. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Oh, thank you very much. Hope you had a nice trip. A wonderful time. Thank you very I much. I envy you. I envy you, Frank. <laughs> huh, me too. Okay. Um, good morning, Charlie. Good morning, John. Um, yeah, my missus wants to know um, when she's going to put the uh, tomato seeds, because, you know, we put them in, in the, our bay window here. Uh-huh. We've been doing that for years, but sometimes if she does them early, they become lanky, mm-hmm. you know. When is the best time? Uh, at the end of March, first week of April? Well, try, yeah, at the soonest, because back it up from when you think the last frost is going to happen. And, of course, we don't put our tomatoes out into the ground until the soil warms up. Yeah. So you're not planting those out into the ground till June anyway. So back up six weeks, eight weeks from there, and that's when you can start. And you're right. Make sure once they germinate, those little plants, are right in the brightest, sunniest spot you've got. Yeah, well, yeah, we we do that. We put them in the bay window. Yeah. But, but like I said, see, some years they became so lanky, like mm. you know, so so tall. Um, 
And uh, so we take, what, six weeks from... Uh, from June 1st. So say from, middle of April. You know. m- middle of April. From, yeah. 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 So first week of April, middle of April. Well, second yeah. week of April. <laughs> See, of you, April you rush it. I ask and I make the conclusion. <laughs> exactly. <what> <laughs> you rush those seeds into the ground, you'll, they'll be tall and skinny and lanky and falling over. So, yeah, yeah better, to, better to wait for the second week. Okay. okay. Thanks, Thank you John. Very much. Okay. Thank you for uh, saying a nice welcome back. Uh, bless your heart for that. Mm-hmm. Um, golly, in Etobicoke, Eleanor is with us this morning. Hi, Eleanor. Hi there. Good morning. Uh, I Good morning. <laughs> I, I received a pot of tulips for uh, hostess gift, mm-hmm. and the flower has gone, and I wondered if I could keep those bulbs over. Oh, for sure. Yep, yep, yep. Just make sure you continue to water the bulbs. Uh, the leaves are going to slowly turn yellow, so you're going to water less and less because the bulbs are going to use less water over the next six to eight weeks. Uh-huh. But keep it in a sunny spot. Just water when it's dry. Um, and then eventually, eight, ten weeks from now, it looks like a pot of dead plants. All the uh-huh. leaves will be completely yellow. At that point, just stick the pot somewhere out of sight. Somewhere frost-free, so not straight outside, but, uh, but maybe we will be frost-free by then, so you can just stick it outside. And then when you get around to it, plant them in the garden. They have to be planted outdoors in order for them to flower for well, you I'm next spring. Well, I'm in a spring. condo, and I, I, I really can't put them outdoors. You won't be able to get them to flower again in the pot. Once they've been forced to flower in a pot, they will not force well again. Uh-huh. So if you have a friend with a garden, you could give them to yeah. uh, do that or sneak them outside when nobody's looking <laughs> and be a gorilla gardener like Lorraine Johnson is, who's my, my <laughs> guest here today. Sneak them outside and they'll just surprise everybody when they come up next spring. Oh. Okay, then thanks a lot. I didn't know whether you could feed them when they've been in a pot. Yeah, so. not, not to expect them to flower. No. Uh, okay, thanks then. for that. Thanks very much. Excellent. Thank you so much, Eleanor. And uh, with that, as we say goodbye to Eleanor, we'll let you know that there are lines open here right now in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. So I just wanted to mention gorilla gardening again. Yeah. Because to, to me, what that is, is it's, well, I'll give you an example. My daughter lives downtown Toronto. She's very aware of the ugliness in so many parts you know just the broken concrete and weeds and and so she's always got like seeds in her pockets and whenever she's walking around Uh she's always kind of dribbling a few seeds hither and yon hoping that they'll come up i mean there's never any guarantee that they will it's not like she's caring for them but it's just that idea of she's a gorilla gardener trying to beautify wherever you can you know or or bring in life if you will and uh is that something you're familiar with lorraine i am and there was actually a group of uh gorilla gardeners uh in toronto Mm -hmm. a while ago and I went on some plantings with them and they you know it's best to choose a place that's really unloved and like not a natural like don't I don't think it's a good idea to do gorilla gardening like in a natural area but let's say like in a laneway that's really disturbed already you can plant some great you can toss Mm. some great native plant seeds like black eyed Susans Mm. so tough and actually you could like create pollinator corridors in mm-hmm. laneways mm-hmm. that like the David Suzuki Foundation is doing for right. example like right. great idea yep. plant native 
meadow plants yeah. in laneways. Particularly if there's the sunshine that the meadow plants are going to need. Yeah. So often those laneways tend to be dark and garbage, trash filled, but not, you know, not always. Just, yeah, which just ones with all the like garages mm-hmm. can be pretty bright and sunny anyway. As yeah, as you say, though, yeah. like. Yep. Pick a sunny spot for the meadow plant. That's right. Speaking of David Suzuki, he has a nice little quote on the front of your book, if I may quote him. This is according to David Suzuki. He says, uh, we can all help bring back bees and butterflies to our neighborhoods. This inspiring guide helps gardeners choose plants that support local pollinators and naturally flourish without pesticides. Nice little quote. It was a thrill, I have to say, to have David Suzuki um, provide a quote for the front of my book. And, uh, you know, I'm such a fan of what the David Suzuki Foundation Mm -hmm. is doing right now in terms of pollinators. They're really (coughs) promoting the idea Mm -hmm. that it's not, so the honeybees are Mm -hmm. non-native and it's like an agricultural crop, but the native bees uh, need Mm -hmm. or benefit from native plants. So Mm -hmm. let's start planting native plants for them. I'm looking at our monitor. I I just want to say, we're talking about the book that is called 100 Easy to Grow Native Plants, recently revised and released just like in the last, what, 24 hours, I think. (laughs) So where is this newest edition available? Um, it's available in bookstores. If you go into a local bookstore and they don't have it, just ask mm-hmm. and they'll order it for you. Um, it's also available online, you know, mm-hmm. all the, you Amazon, know, Amazon <laughs> Indigo, all of those. Yep. It's also available at like garden centers or, mm-hmm. um, you know, botanical gardens. Mm-hmm. That, and if it's not, just ask them for it. Yeah. They'll get it in. Okay. Excellent. Okay. We do have to take a little bit of a break here. We're coming back to say hi to Marie in Etobicoke and let you know that some other lines are open too. Like, get involved. Uh, come on, say hi to both Charlie and Lorraine here. Uh, 416-360-0740. And anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, saying good morning and welcome to the show, Marie in Etobicoke. Nice to have you with us. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a hydrangea, potted hydrangea that's in bloom right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, shall, um, Shall I get rid of it after the flowers die or will it bloom again? Uh, what I would probably do is once the flowers are finished is you'll trim them off. You'll trim the whole plant down a tiny bit. So just that will force some new growth to come out. And it will bloom again if you get it outside in this, you know, once we're frost free. You do not need to plant it in the ground. It's unlikely to survive the winter outside. It might. Of course, you're in balmy Etobicoke, so you never know if you have a nice sheltered spot. If you actually planted it right outside, it could survive the winter for a couple of winters. And yes, indeed, it'll, it'll bloom for you if it's outdoors and, uh, and you know, surviving out there. I'm in an apartment, so... Oh, there you go. So you're not going to plant it outside. No. Well, so just look after it as you would a regular house plant, but do that pruning down, removing the flowers once they're done, and uh, fertilize because we're at that time of year when uh, the growth is is bursting forth from the plants as they recognize that the days are getting longer. So you will need to fertilize if you want more flowers and you want to grow it into a nice, you know, good-looking houseplant. 
Okay, thank okay. you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Marie. And at 9.27, let's do a little switcheroonie and just have a few questions for Lorraine, our special guest. Switcheroonie. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. He's been on holidays, eh? Well, Can yeah. you tell? God. Smiling. I thought it was a switcheroo. Switcheroonie. Who knows? Yeah, whatever. You're messing me up, but it's okay. So I'm holding this book in my hand, 100 Easy-to-Grow Native Plants for Canadian Gardens. Okay, native plants have been all the trend. I get questions here on the radio show and from my students at school. You know, what is a native plant? How do you define what's native? So, Lorraine, share that with us. Yeah, there's been a lot more interest in native plants over Mm. the last couple of decades for sure. The kind of standard definition is that a native plant is one that existed in an area prior to European colonization. So... Like these plants, what that means is these plants have been here for thousands Mm -hmm. and thousands of years. And so they're adapted to the conditions for the most part. Like they they grew for thousands of years without human cultivation, Mm -hmm. which means, you know, the rainfall, although we're changing that, aren't we, (laughs) with climate change, but in general. And so they're plants that tend to be lower maintenance. Mm. Now, that's not always true by any means, Mm. but if you match the plant to the conditions you have in your garden, Mm -hmm. so meadow, native meadow plants and sun, then they're going to, chances are, easier to grow. The one thing that's really important, though, to know about native plants is that they're not the weedy plants that take over. There's a lot of, you know, people assume that, let's say dandelion, people assume that because it grows in the wild without cultivation, it's a native plant. It's not. It was brought brought by the European settlers. Oh, really? So, you know, there's this So that one you can can dig up and not feel any shame about. And you know what? Pretty well any plant that is a weed in your garden that's a problem yeah, is non-native that's right. and arrived with the settlers and the has colonists, taken advantage and has taken this, over yeah. kind of like the colonists did actually <laughs> yeah. mm, now the, that you the, mention the, it the, the plants that have been here for thousands of years are adapted to the conditions and are easier to grow and beautiful you know you think of all the wood you know like trilliums mm-hmm. a native plant jack, mm-hmm. uh, jack in the pulpit mm-hmm. wild ginger like they're beautiful. And if they were more readily available in the garden, garden nursery and yeah. promoted, yeah. people would be falling all over themselves yeah. to buy them because yeah. they are so showy. Mm-hmm. But they have been kind of ignored for a long time, although, mm-hmm. as you say, big trend, big interest yeah. in growing them. They're becoming more available at regular nurseries. Yeah. And there are lots of specialty nurseries all over Ontario where you can buy native plants. Like Google Native Plants Ontario Nurseries, you'll find lots. I would suggest if you want to really get into this now is to pick up a copy. Of course, uh, 100 Easy-to-Grow Native Plants by Lorraine Johnson, and that's available today Mm -hmm. in all the best-selling bookstores around and on Amazon, too, as you mentioned. And you're going to buy a copy for Shirley. uh, Oh, oh. she might be listening. Oh, Oh, jeez. I didn't say that. Happy birthday, Shirley. Oh, gee. Way to go, Charlie. Mm. We have to go to the line here because we have a first-time caller there. Let's uh, let's welcome uh, Kathy. Hello to Kathy. From Etobicoke. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. Um, I have a hydrangea that I've had for probably 20 years, and it's I've, I haven't gotten rid of it because it's 
it's beautiful. The leaves are beautiful. It has huge leaves on it, but I've never had a flower until two years ago, and there was one big, huge pink flower. Uh-huh. And I'm just wondering, I, I cut it back every fall. Mm-hmm. It's on a southeast corner, so it gets the morning sun. Uh, it's in sandy soil, and I don't know how to get it to flower. So it's a, probably a very large shrub too, isn't it? It is. By it August, is. it's a meter tall and wide, or bigger. Oh yeah, when it when it blooms, it is. It, or when it's the leaves are out, it is. And that's why I've kept it because it sort of fills in that yeah. corner nicely, and the leaves look so healthy. Yeah. But no flowers. So you have something that I had, which is a very old. Um, it's a hydrangea, but it's right. an old cultivar. And the, what happens is that the blooms that you're wishing you had on it, the buds that will become the blooms form the season before. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that in the summer, late summer, the, the growth that's little hidden from your eye are the little buds that are going to be next year's flowers. Mm-hmm. You do all that trimming in the fall, you're trimming away all those buds. Oh. And then come spring, of course, the plant starts to grow. It puts out all kinds of new growth, but it's all green growth. Right. Because the flower buds have been removed. Okay. So the newer varieties of hydrangea, with those same lovely big leaves, it's mm-hmm. actually called hydrangea macrophylla. Macro mm-hmm. meaning big, phyla meaning leaves. So they are big-leaved plants, and they're also known as mophead hydrangeas because they get the big round flowers. So the, those hydrangeas have some newer varieties in the last 10 years under names like Endless Summer, mm-hmm. which are designed to bloom every year based on the fact that they will bloom not only on last year's buds that we were talking about, but also on this year's growth. The old varieties do not bloom on this year's growth, and oh. that's the challenge. So should I get rid of it? Well, if you're loving it as a as a space filler, it can't get much more low maintenance. You trim it once a year. Personally, I would probably do my trimming in the spring, but okay. it doesn't matter really. I just love leaving the flowers on if there are flowers for the winter mm-hmm. on my hydrangeas because mm-hmm. I think they look great outside. Right. And uh, Lorraine's waving at me. She's going to jump in too. Well, I just there, um, on the subject of hydrangeas, mm-hmm. there is actually a native hydrangea that's native to North America. Mm-hmm. It's not native to Ontario, but the oak leaf. Yeah. Oh, I love it, yeah. which is beautiful. It's really beautiful. A gorgeous shrub. Mm-hmm. And uh, that might be one to consider. That's true, because okay. that would do well in the exact same conditions that you've got the macrophylla. And it is lovely. I have a wonderful one at home. Flowers very consistently. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe I'll get rid of this and start with a new one, because yeah. it's getting a little frustrating. All right, write that down. Oak leaf hydrangea to fill that space. Yes. Otherwise, ones like Endless Summer don't get nearly as big. Yes, so I have an Endless Summer in my front yard. So. Okay. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. Thanks for joining us here that on the Garden Show. good point, yeah. Lorraine. I appreciate that. There you go. I love that plant. That's one of my, my all-time favorite shrubs. And Is it? Yeah. Oak leaf hydrangea. The <clears throat> leaves look like oak leaves. Right. Turn lovely fall color, burgundy, oh, sometimes a little bit of orange. <clears throat> but the flowers are great. They're tall, almost mm-hmm. little pyramids of hydrangea flowers. Yeah. It's funny how many of the natives, like oak leaf hydrangea isn't native to Ontario, but very close. But so many of these native plants, shrubs, trees, can be really showy Mm -hmm. and unusual. Like we have a native tree in Ontario, the pawpaw, Mm -hmm. Asamina triloba. How's that spelled? P-A-W-P-A-W. Oh, really? Like that? And it produces, so it's native to the Carolinian region of of, uh, Canada, southwestern Ontario, and it produces the largest edible native fruit in Canada. It looks like a mango. Yeah. And um, 
you don't hear about it much, and yet, what? Who doesn't want a fruit that yeah. looks like a mango and tastes like bananas in their backyard? I, no kidding. As opposed wow. to plums and yeah. apples and these yeah. you know, super high maintenance things. It's a good point. Excellent. Okay, yeah. um, let's go out a little bit uh, from the center of Toronto all the way up to Seaforth. There is Marilyn. Mm. Good morning, Marilyn. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning. Uh, you were talking about tomato seeds earlier, uh-huh. and. My mother, who is a well-respected gardener in our area, mm-hmm. her rule of thumb for planting tomato seeds yep. was to plant them the Friday before Good Friday. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. She, she lived by that. That was her rule. But considering that before Good, Friday. Good Friday could be any time from middle of March to the middle of April, that's amazing. I know. I know. And, and, it worked and she out. always had quite a good success with her tomatoes. Hmm. Yeah. And, okay. I um, like it. Uh, the Friday before Good Friday is April the 7th this year. That's an auspicious date. I like it. Thank <laughs> you for that. Good, good. I always love it when people share tips with us. So there you go. Write that down. The, plant your tomato seeds the Friday before Good Friday. There you go. All right. You know what, though? Considering that Good Friday, Easter, Lent, is connected to the moon and the stars mm-hmm. to some extent. That might be one of the reasons that it works well to plant on the Friday before Good Friday because the moon has impact on where on the water table because of the mm-hmm. gravitational pull and closeness to the earth. And so planting seeds on certain dates can be can be more successful depending on where the moon is in relation to the earth. There you are. So okay. There could be more going on yep. than, than what we, we think. And all this sort of traditional knowledge mm-hmm. that um, is so rich, and for a long time we thought, you know, there was Old kind wives of yeah, tales. yeah. But they actually there there's good reason for mm-hmm. them, scientific reason, and you know, it's very much uh, the same actually with the native plants. There's mm-hmm. this long tradition of First Nations use of them, mm-hmm. for example, and you, you know, like that information is rich and some of the important. old wives' tales that people used to say, "Oh yeah, well my grandma or my yeah. great grandma used to," but that is validated. Absolutely, it's right? coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know it's absolutely true. It's a big cycle, and, and I find we're coming around to a lot of you know, how did my grandmother do it? Because our grandfather, because it worked. What they were doing actually worked, you know. All mixing in all that manure, that was a good thing. <laughs> Speaking of coming back, we're going to come back in just a couple of moments uh, right. and uh, continue our conversation with Lorraine Johnson, our special guest this morning. And uh, any other questions or, hey, little tips you can offer us, we'd appreciate it very much. Uh, phone nines, let me just repeat them for you. In Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Charmaine in Scarborough, we're going to come back to you, my love, in just a couple of moments here on Zuma Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zuma Radio. Well, as promised, let's uh, check in with Charmaine out there in Scarborough. Good morning, Charmaine. Good morning. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, last spring, I went to a big box store and found two beautiful gardenia uh, plants on standard. Mm-hmm. And I purchased them, put them in my urns in a north-facing front yard. Mm-hmm. And the leaves stayed that nice, yeah. green, and shiny. Beautiful. 
And uh, the the blooms that were on it when I bought it, you know, they stayed on, but we didn't get any other blooms that stayed. Mm -hmm. Buds formed, and then they just dried up and fell off before Mm -hmm. they could open. Now, at the end of the summer, um, it still looked really well, and I I didn't want to be outside to die. I I just you were in love with them, yeah. I brought them inside, mm-hmm. and a bad situation was worse because uh, not only did we not get any blooms at all, but some of the leaves have fallen off. Yeah. But it's still alive. Okay. So, so I'm not <laughs> giving up. I'm not giving up. I want to put it back outside this spring, but I want to do it right. There must have been something that I, I, I missed. Well, is, is don't pl- tips that I could get before I put it back outside the spring. All right, so I was going to say, don't blame yourself. Keep in mind that gardenias are a tropical plant that want tropical conditions. And in Toronto, we or Scarborough, we rarely can provide what they really want. They want wow. a very high humidity. The more humid, the better. So in your home in the wintertime, the best thing you can do is run a humidifier right beside it, pebble tray of water beneath, yeah. spritzing okay. every two hours, do whatever you can to raise the humidity. They are also a plant that are very hard to overwater. Some plants absolutely hate to be kept wet or moist all the time, but gardenias are one that appreciate a lot of moisture. So if they ever dry out, they will definitely drop buds right away. And then eventually, if they're dry for even longer, we'll start dropping leaves like crazy. So for now, what I would do is trim back anything dead, keep the water on, buy some fertilizer that's specifically designed for acid-loving plants. So that's because a gardenia is like a low pH. You'll see it's probably planted in pure peat moss. So you'll look for an acid-loving plant or rhododendron food, something like that. Yeah, azaleas. So follow the instructions. Start watering now, spring and summer, with the fertilizer. You should see some some buds pop out on the plant, and your challenge will be to care for it well enough so that the buds will open because nothing smells better than a blooming gardenia. I agree. Okay. You so You're very much. welcome. Thank you for Thank your call. Thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show. Hey, um, and speaking mm-hmm. of callers, I just want to go back last week, of course, yep. when you were, you know, on some deck chair somewhere, <laughs> drinking a martini probably yeah. at noon, uh, we had a call from Marsha in Kleinberg, and she asked a question about where to buy wood poppy seeds mm-hmm. because she does live in an area where she felt that she could plant those seeds. And, you know, this is a native plant. And I went, oh, my gosh, you should call this week. Lorraine Johnson's going to be here. But since Marsha hasn't called and Lorraine is in the studio, I'm going to ask the question for Marsha, and that is, should she be planting wood poppy seeds in the Kleinberg area? And if so, where would she get the seeds from? Well, wood poppy is a super interesting native plant, Mm. Styloform diphyllum, and it is endangered, Mm -hmm. actually, in Ontario. It's prolific in the States, but here in Ontario, we've lost a lot of the habitat, and so it's rare. Mm. Um, What that means is that you have to take a bit more care, I think, in terms of what you do with those seeds. Like counterintuitively, actually, Mm. it would be a bad idea to buy Mm -hmm. seeds, which are available from a nursery like Gardens North Mm -hmm. in Ontario. They sell um, wood poppy seeds. Mm -hmm. But the last thing you should do with those seeds is scatter them in the wild, thinking, oh, this is a rare plant. I'm helping the planet by doing that. 
what that would lead to is kind of mixed up genetics, like the whole thing. Like the, we have a unique population of wood poppies in Ontario, and oh. we would lose that genetic specificity by mixing it with the genetic information of the plants from because the these states. would be American seeds. Exactly, they brought oh. up. Now in the garden. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and let me say the like the, the controlled only, garden, yeah, so to speak. The only known uh, remaining populations of wood poppy in Ontario are in London. Mm-hmm. So in Kleinberg, in your garden, I think it is absolutely fine to plant wood poppy, mm-hmm. um, and it's great in a woodland garden. Mm-hmm. You can start it from seed. You can buy woodland poppy plants at a lot of nurseries mm-hmm. actually, where they've been brought up from the U.S. Right, because mm-hmm. because it's an endangered species, none of them are harvested in Ontario. That's right, right. absolutely okay. not. Yeah, okay. but, uh, very, very few people even know where they are, <laughs> which is a good yeah, thing, yeah. very good thing. The Royal Botanical Garden mm-hmm. in um, uh, Hamilton Burlington is doing some, um, they've, they've got some seed as a backup population oh, for that. Um, as soon as a recovery plan for wood poppy is mm-hmm. back up and running, we should have a recovery plan for every endangered right. plant in the province. And unfortunately, we don't have one right now. You know, one of our fine poppy. sponsors, of course, Stoke Seeds, uh, located yep, in St. Catharines Catherine, yep. area. Uh, maybe if somebody's in the office there listening, give us a call and let us I know about the poppies. Or the, uh, the seeds. Stokes wouldn't carry them. No? Yeah. I don't think so. Uh, but, but we had we had there. the president of Stokes here yeah. while you were lying oh, on your deck chair. Wonderful. <laughs> but that also that raises the whole question of um, the common names and the yes. botanical names. Like I am not someone who's spouting botanical Latin all the time at all, mm. except when there's a possibility of confusion. Yeah. So you you know you hear oh poppy, I can get that anywhere and plant, and it's actually like there are tons of non-native poppies, the papa bars, but. The common names get you in trouble because wood poppy is actually styliform. Totally different plant. Not a poppy at all. Totally different plant. Just called wood poppy. Yeah. It's not a poppy. And actually even more confusingly, it looks a lot like the celandine poppy, a non-native invasive. Okay. It but, sure does. Yeah. I have it, certainly seen this. <laughs> yeah. But a rare plant, the native but I, I haven't seen the native one. Yeah. I've seen the invasive one. Yeah. All right. Oh, a ruby huh, in cool. Lakeville. Sorry. Uh, uh, no, that's yeah, interesting. Okay. So, uh, Gardens North. Yes, that was the suggestion for, for styliform. Okay, styliform. All right, we're All on right. It. Ruby in Lakefield. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. I'm I'm asking about trimming my apple tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and I we grew it from an apple seed oh. years ago, mm-hmm. and three years ago it had more apples on it. I was giving apples away by the bushel. Well, no kidding. Wow. It hasn't had a fruit on it since. And it's, uh, it certainly needs trimming. When should I have it trimmed? All right. So the, the time to trim any fruit trees, uh, outdoor fruit trees, is now. You don't trim when it's a gray day or a rainy day, preferably. Let it be a sunny, windy day because the, cu- the pruning cuts that you're going to leave behind need to heal as quickly as possible and will do so on a dry day. But now is the time. When the, when the plants are dormant, um, you know, if you're driving down Niagara Way right now, 
now, that's what they've been doing since February. It's all about pruning the grapes, pruning the, all the fruit trees in the very late winter, early spring. And those shears have to be really clean, right? Sharp, sharp very sharp. Clean. And if there's any worry about diseases, you're right that we clean our, our pruning tools in between each cut with a bleach and water mix or a rubbing alcohol and water. And the only other thing if you're, is to think about is the dormant spray, which goes on the fruit trees uh, again in the next few weeks weather permitting uh, the dormant spray is oil and lime sulfur and mm-hmm. water mixed together and it's to prevent problems coming in the in the growing season prevent the bugs prevent the diseases That's so it's super oil, important water. it's horticultural oil lime sulfur and water you can buy it at any garden center or home uh, repair center under the name dormant spray kit I know we had apple trees on the property when we bought it, and we used to spray them faithfully, Mm. but it's a bit of good. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, and sprays have changed a lot. We used to have a lot more access to chemical sprays that we no longer have. So uh, fruit tree care requires proper pruning, proper ground, you know, soil management, and obviously the dormant spray to to really uh, achieve a good, any kind of a crop at all that's edible. Thank right. you very much, Ruby. Uh, we're, we're slaves to the clock here on the Garden Show. And or, so I'm looking at the clock. Yeah, We've got to take a little break. Take a little break. But remember, you know, yeah. if the apple tree doesn't turn out, you can always consider a pawpaw tree. Yeah, there you go. I want to find out more about grow. that. <laughs> okay. And we're going to be com- coming back. My bell ringing arm will get some work out here because Marjorie in Normandale is on the line. First time caller will no, be. Where is Normandale? Two, well, that's just in... what I want to find out, too. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, so do your homework out there, Marjorie. We're coming back to talk to you, my friend. At 9.51 here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. As promised, the old bell-ringing arm of old Frankie Proctor. There we go. That's for Marjorie in Normandale. Uh, good morning, Marjorie. Good morning. Morning. Uh, first good of morning. all, uh, no- Normandale is, is not a stranger to our guest, Lorraine. So tell folks where it is, Lorraine. It's one of my favorite places around because it's uh, on Lake Erie, close to Long Point, which has incredible natural areas to visit. It's beautiful old inn. There's Carolinian Forest, mm-hmm. a very rare habitat uh, around Normandale. Beautiful trees like tulip trees, Carolinian trees. I love it there. Oh, great. Lucky Marjorie. All right. <laughs> so, Marjorie, your question is? My question is, uh, in the fall time, I planted 25 bulbs of the Canada 150 tulip, mm-hmm. and uh, my neighbors planted 100 bulbs. And I was to the flower show on Wednesday, and I was so looking forward to seeing these tulips in bloom. And there was not one there. And we went on the early morning tour at, at 8 o'clock it started. And we went on that tour. And so we saw all of the, all of the show. Mm-hmm. And there was not one of these beautiful tulips blooming there. Well. And I was so disappointed. There was red ones, yellow ones, white ones, different colors, mm-hmm. but none of these beautiful uh, 
150 tulips. So why did, would that be? Well, did you go to the office? You're talking about Canada Blooms, I guess, when you're saying yes. the flower show. Did, they do have an office typically on site. Did you speak to anybody there? Um, well, I didn't know there was an oh. office. I talked to as many people as I did could, you? and they... They didn't want to hear my story because that wasn't their department. <laughs> right, of course. So, I mean, you can always write a letter, but you know what? I don't, I'm no longer affiliated with Canada Bloom, so I can't give you any reason as to why they wouldn't have that important tulip blooming, except I, logically I know that the tulips that are at Canada Blooms come from suppliers in, down in St. Catherine's Way who have huge refrigerators full of millions of, of bulbs, which are all kept refrigerated until it's time to make them flower. And it is possible that the suppliers didn't have the Canada 150 tulip under refrigeration in time to have it for the show. Because I noticed that Home Hardware is the exclusive retailer on the web here. So it's possible that the growers couldn't get the bulbs, therefore they couldn't force them for the show. But if I had been still at Canada Blooms, I probably would have made it happen. What color is the... It's uh, red and white. Oh, it's okay. actually quite beautiful. It's like a flaming parrot kind of a tulip. Yeah. Well, thank you, Marjorie. Uh, yeah, but it, write a letter yeah. to Canada Blooms. They're there. You know, they've got an office. You can certainly tell them what you think. Now, oh, here's another first-time caller, and this oh, might excellent. be for Lorraine. I'll get this in quickly here. Paul in... Now, where the heck is Jerseyville, oh, my. Paul? Hello. Hey, yeah, hi. Good morning. morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question about growing organic potatoes without the use of chemicals to uh, fight off the uh, potato bug that right. I'm always mm-hmm. battling. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, what are my choices uh, if I want to stay organic? Mm-hmm. And uh, is there anything that I could put on them short of trying to keep up with uh, killing off the bugs yeah. by pick, you know, pick and squish off and yeah. catching them and you know what comes to my mind just quickly, uh, Paul, would be um, covers, floating row covers, they're called. Very, very fine, fine mesh, almost like a screen that you, you buy in long rolls and you, fl- you literally, it floats over top of the plants. It's like, and, it, and all it does is it, prote- it would protect them from those horrible Colorado potato beetles. What were you going to say, Lorraine? Uh, I was just thinking about some of those companion planting books and mm. I was... Um, Carrots Love Tomatoes, I think the book is called. There are mm-hmm, yeah. a couple of classics. Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't 100% remember the title. But if you just Google companion planting, there might be some companion to plant with potatoes. It would act as a trap crop or... or and we always think of garlic, onions, any yeah. of the allium family are excellent for repelling insects from... Uh, so there's the two things. One is, yeah, beneficial... Um, uh, partnerships can be set up between plants that benefit the plant you're trying to grow. So that's not a bad idea to Google as well. It would be companion plants. But floating row covers really do work. And, of course, you once you've invested, you own them. You can you know use them again in the future. It's But, it, you know, you have to seal the edges with soil and just let the plants grow. The sun and moisture all gets through, but the bugs don't. All right. All right. We've got 30 seconds. Yeah. Thanks, Lorraine. It was really great to be here. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming, and I appreciate the book, too. Thanks, Frank. You are welcome, Charlie. I'm so happy you're back. Well, bless your heart, so am I. So am I. Really? I would have said, no, I want to stay on my cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sebastian. Couldn't do it without you and all the great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. 
Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.